SNL season 41 is over, but we're just getting started taking one last look back here on the Saturday Night Live post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who will not be sticking our heads in a ceiling fan at any time this summer. I'm Rob Sister, and here's Rich Tackerberg. Rich, how are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Glad to be here one last time. It's crazy to think that we've wrapped up another season. Yeah, this season really did go by quick. I don't know if there was just so many other things going on that it just uh, didn't seem like uh, it took that long. But I can't believe Saturday Night Live is over for the year still. Yeah, yeah. It's done. It's done and in the can. Unbelievable. What a year. I mean, I remember back in the summer, it was, oh, I can't wait for Saturday Night Live to come back. What are they going to say about this Donald Trump business? Yeah, and who thought we'd be still talking about Donald Trump at the end of the year? It's pretty crazy. Uh, it's crazy. We saw Donald Trump host the show this season, so uh, we've really been all over the map uh, with SNL Season 41. 21 episodes down. We're going to talk about all of it. And, of course, uh, Rich has done an incredible amount of research to prepare for this podcast. Yeah, you know, it's amazing looking back at Season 41, really how much good stuff was produced in these 21 episodes. You know, it it was, you know, the overall takeaway for me was looking at looking at all the episodes again, sort of sketch by sketch and seeing what worked and didn't work. Really, I thought when you break it down, you're really looking at of 21 episodes. We're looking at six episodes that were just really solid, really, really solid episodes, really like just just great, like, you know, great, great stuff. Eight episodes that were solid, that were fun and enjoyable 90 minutes, couple of clunkers here and there, but overall really good times. Two were on the line, and then about five were, oh boy. <laughs> but when you think about it, that's basically, you know, that's a that's a two-to-one batting average. They're really, I mean, they, I'd say, you know, you're looking at about, you know, 14 absolutely worth your 90 minutes no questions asked good fun episodes and seven that were like yeah you probably could have skipped them for any television show that's a great batting average for a for a uh, sketch comedy show that's unbelievable so i think really for me the takeaway is while we may not have had that many sort of true viral moments uh where snl was the center of attention for a, a moment in time in america I'd say in general, 41 goes in the books is a win. There was there was a lot to like about this season. Yeah, maybe we need some sort of a stat of SNL win percentage for the season. You should go back and watch every episode from every season and then let us know how many are overall positive winning seasons or losing seasons. Well, now I know what I'm doing over the summer. Rob. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, what have you been doing since SNL ended two weeks ago? Nothing. I mean, looking back at old episodes, that's all. Oh, first, I got to <laughs> breathe. That was the nice thing. Just relax. Uh, there, there is something nice about like Saturday night. Oh, I can go to sleep at ten fifteen tonight. That mm-hmm. is, there, there is something very sexy about that. At least for the for the <laughs> well, summer break. Yeah, yeah. Don't give people the wrong idea. That's true. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna go through everything. Uh, Rich has done awards for sketch of the year and all sorts of other superlatives uh, here that we're going to do. We're going to talk about the big picture stuff and uh, who were the winners and losers in the cast who uh, may or may not be coming back. And uh, we are looking at you, Jr. Uh, so we've got a lot to discuss here today. Also, Rich, I don't even know if you're aware of this. Uh, Post Show Recaps is nominated for not one, but two 
podcast awards here for 2016 here as we talk superlatives yes that is very deserving of an award i'd like to see that in the win column this year yes well poster recaps is nominated for the best tv and film podcast and also the people's choice podcast of the year daily voting is going on until june 12th at podcastawards.com and we do greatly appreciate your votes uh for that at podcastawards.com. All right, uh, Rich. So why don't we get into just sort of like the big picture thoughts as we begin the autopsy of season 41? Yeah, I'd say big picture. It was an interesting season. We'll talk about the cast in a second. But, you know, you didn't see any huge breakout uh, cast member. Uh, It wasn't a season of a huge breakout new character that took the world by storm. You didn't see any uh, major shifts in sort of cast politics. Um, You know, when you look at what hosts did really well versus what hosts didn't, there's really no, uh, there's no, um, there's nothing to it specifically. Some of them were dramatic actors that did very well. Some of them were comedians. Some of them were stand-up comics. Some of them were musicians. Uh, So a a real sort of mix across the board, you know, and and interestingly that, you know, we we have a season where with all the Donald Trump stuff going on, really the, 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 this will be noted as the year of Bernie Sanders. I think that the, you know, seeing uh, Larry David show up five times, including one hosting duty as Bernie Sanders, was really probably the thing that sort of made the uh, made the season work. Um, so so that was interesting to me. I'd also say, you know, interesting. I always find that the 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 batting average of the pre-tapes are generally higher. A lot of good pre-tapes here. But I would say, like, interestingly, I thought this was a season where a very high percentage of fun stuff posted update. I thought there was a lot of good stuff. When I looked at like, sort of when I was picking my what's the best 10 to 1 sketch for the evening, I had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 that I thought uh, were up for uh, up for um, contention at a 21. So a lot of interesting stuff going on in that sort of weird kind of uh, what is this? This is kind of kooky. This could never be on before update kind of stuff. So I just thought in general sort of an interesting, very balanced kind of a year for them how do you attribute that stuff do you feel like that they feel like that they're in a good place and they take more chances or do you feel like that that's sort of where there are young up-and-coming talent and that's where they sort of cut their teeth yeah i think it's a mix i think that is is part of it is when i think a little bit when you do have a balanced cast you you start to see people getting stuff on the air late in the night that you might not often see um you know also you know you're getting to see some of the uh actors that may not have gotten a break and i think other stuff is stuff that just sort of didn't uh, sort of fit into any buckets. So they thought, well, let's put it towards the end. But I, I definitely think that they're taking more chances. And, and I and I would it might be because some, you know, we always talk about the first live sketch post monologue is generally sort of that that prime spot. That's where you've got the most eyeballs. I think that, you know, in years past and, and continuing into this year, you know, you did have a lot of misses, kind of the big broad go for the masses kind of stuff isn't working as well all the time so i think uh you know they're they're opening up the the sort of filter to take more chances all right so then let's get into the fun stuff of talking about the cast and uh who had an up year and who had a down year you know that in the past uh there's been different articles that have tracked like the overall minutes on the floor 
for all of the different cast members. We don't have that. So it's sort of a look and feel to go through this, right? Yeah, I would say this is just sort of feeling out sort of who who fared better this year compared to years prior, uh, you know, um, you know, looking at different casts. I would say for me, I think, you know, who had a really good year? Clearly, Kate McKinnon had a great year. Keenan Thompson clearly had a great year. I mean, you talk about Keenan. This is a guy who, you know, a year or two ago, I was pleading to the gods would, you know, would retire already and move on because he was driving me crazy. And he's really sort of, I think, sort of been this sort of great, you know, person on the cast now who really is the elder statesman of the show, can be plugged into in most anything and, and does really well. Um, but I would also say that I think that Pete Davidson had a very good year. I mean, I think that's one of the one of the shows of sort of Ben strength here is Weekend Update that not only in addition to the cast of characters that you have on Weekend Update, but you have Pete Davidson and Leslie Jones as not one but two correspondents playing themselves, doing ostensibly stand-up material. So that that Ben strength is just great. And, and Pete Davidson definitely showed up more. Where last year, he really was the guy who showed up on Weekend Update and then at home base for the Goodnights. We're seeing Pete in a lot more sketches, whether he's got a big role or whether he's just got a funny line or two. Uh, I think he's really coming into his own. So I thought that... I also think Colin Jost had a very good year. I think that he really has come into his own. I think that he has sort of shed the the moniker of uh, you know Seth Meyers light. I think he sort of found his own way, which is which is exciting to see. I, I think he's had some really nice runs. Um, now, and Rich, the, I know sorry. you're talking about just the winners right now, but yes. I, I noticed that you didn't include Colin Jost and Michael Che as a pair. I did not. I, you know, for me, I think that Michael Che is 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 still not having the season that we want him to have. I think that he is still. I mean, he's obviously a very funny, you know, comedian. I then I think he's had some very funny moments on the show, but I think that he's still struggling to fit into the Saturday Night Live box. Um, and I don't think that Weekend Update has really changed to fit into the Michael Che box. So I w- I wouldn't want. To to see him leave necessarily next year or or be replaced, but I think he's still struggling to find himself. I think his delivery is much more deadpan. It's much more sort of slow. Um, uh, you know, there's sort of a quiet irony to him that doesn't necessarily work with you know. I would say uh, you know jokes that are on cue cards that are meant as just sort of rapid fire hit and machine gun style move on. So uh, I think Che has a lot of room to grow next year within the. the the box of Saturday Night Live. So what would you want to see him do more? Sort of just do more sort of like long form pieces where he's just getting on a rant about something? Yeah, I think they need to figure out what is the what is the a natural style that works for Michael Che that also works for the rhythm of update. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I think that the, I think that we still sort of have to find that, you know. And 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 every every person who's had that seat has sort of had to figure it out. It does get more complicated when there's two people. Um, you know, it's easy. You know, you know. Um, but I think that the people who don't fit into those sort of boxes, like um, if you want to go back to a Colin Quinn or mm-hmm. Kevin Nealon uh, who had different styles while I appreciated them never really sort of were considered one of the greats not because they're not great comedians but because they don't have that sort of rapid style hit 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 so I do hope that they do try to find more 
off the beaten path formats of jokes, joke runs, rants, whatever it might be that would lend itself to Michael's form of natural comedic delivery, which I don't think we've necessarily found yet. Okay. Who else was a winner? Uh, I got to say Vanessa Bayer. I mean, we talked about this during the year. I think Vanessa Bayer was someone who, you know, at one point was, and I think may, it probably is the uh, the most seasoned female uh, cast member and yet was, you know, persona non grata for, you know, weeks at a time. This year, I think she really, you know, she had a number of funny bits, but most specifically, I think that she was sort of the royalty of the pre-tape. I think that she found her niche, whether by design or whether by just happenstance, so many great pre-tapes that she specifically just stole the show and was just a great actress in a in a very well written bit so i think that uh she you know she she really sort of created great longevity for herself in that in addition to some of the live stuff that she did okay all right uh what about the people who were staying the same? Well, I would say very quickly, I'd say A.D. Bryant continues to be solid, um, hasn't really broken out yet. Cecily Strong continues to be solid, continues to do good characters, good weekend update characters, but again, hasn't had a huge breakout. Beck Bennett, I'd say, had maybe a little bit of a better year. Um, you know, I think last year was very much overshadowed by Kyle Mooney. This year, I think probably hold, held his own. And Leslie Jones, who came on like gangbusters, continued to be solid, was, you know, we saw was gone because of an injury for a little bit or, or you know, really sort <laughs> of downplayed. DL. Yeah, she was on the DL list. Um, so I think she continued to do fine, but I, I think she was probably in the same place. I feel like of the four, and I know you a little bit touched on it, that I do feel like that Beck Bennett is really trending upward. I feel like that he's um, almost always all over the place. Yeah, and I was debating where to put him because I sort of feel the same thing i don't know that he had necessarily a character that was uh that was sort of a big thing in a way it was interesting that i think where i put back in the same but where i i see taron killam on the downward trend uh but kyle mooney on the downward trend bobby moynihan on the downward trend i think so when you look at he's really one of you know he you know the only other white male cast member you know that's not in weekend update that i had as a winner is pete davidson so so you can really, I think, just by holding his own, in a sense, is a win because Taryn and Bobby are the elder statesmen of the show, taking out Keenan, you know, and yet there are whole episodes where they can be sort of lost. Kyle yeah. Mooney was seemed to be the heir apparent to be the next of the white male cast members, the next person. Uh, and he sort of faded back a little bit, still doing some fun stuff, but sort of faded back a little bit. So I give back that he sort of held his own. You're seeing him in as the dad in a lot of sketches, the the boss in a lot of sketches, the straight guy, the you know, the you know, the here and there sort of doing some funny bits. So so good for him for holding his own. Yeah. Just looking at the cast laid out like this. I mean, that's a lot of people. I mean, it's a lot 16 of people. people is a reality show cast. I mean, exactly. It's, exactly. it's a lot of people to be following and, and like getting screen time for people in all the sketches like it is probably uh, you know either 
competitive or if they're trying to be fair, it's very difficult, I think, to get everybody into this. And they're clearly not trying to be fair. Mm -hmm. So you're right. So it then becomes, you know, you really have to sort of fight your way through to get noticed, which is unbelievable. Um, You know, I'd say if you've got, you know, eight sketches, you know, you know, seven, eight pieces of comedy business per episode and 16 people, those are bad batting averages. So, you know, also, I would say people who had a tough year, you know, Jay Farrell was amazing. You and I talked about it, I think, on the last episode. The only season I can think of in 41 years where we did not have the sitting president in a cold open uh, in the entire season. I think we saw Obama once in a pre-tape. Maybe there's one I'm not even remembering. So Jay taking a very big backseat. But is that on Jay? Is that because his impression's not funny enough or because they just did not have an angle on Obama? Yeah, and I should say when people having a good year or a bad year, it's not necessarily their fault. I don't think that Taryn Killam got less funny. I think Taryn's fantastic. I think Bobby, you know, Bobby will always be my personal MVP because I just love him to death. So I don't think it's about talent. I think it's about circumstance. I think you're right. It's about happenstance, circumstance. Because uh, and Obama in this case, on yeah. SNL was not working before Jay Farrow Correct. got there. Correct. They never, even with Fred Armisen, they never figured out what's the funny, In eight what's years. that funny character. Yeah. And I, and I don't necessarily, uh, I, I definitely don't necessarily blame uh, Jay Farrow for that. I think it's a hard one to crack because there's nothing inherently funny about him that they can sort of uh, do. Um, you know, I've said this before about Jay Farrow with uh, some of his impressions is I wish sometimes they would be less accurate and more wacky and he might have more. I wish they would even try next season doing an Obama at 12.50 a.m. where instead of it being accurate, it's just something just balls out kooky crazy with Jay Farrow doing it and see, see if they can kind of get something new to stick, which they didn't really do this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just round out quickly, you know, Sashir Zameda, I think, had a really tough year. I think, you know, we even noted there was one sketch in the the season finale where, or I'm sorry, two, two episodes uh, earlier where she had notable lines in it. And I thought thought, well, she must have written it. And sure enough, she did, which is a bad sign. She's really uh, just, I think, struggling to either be written for or to find a voice. Very tough that she does not do a lot of strong impressions that are uh, that are helpful to the to pop culture right now. Uh, I think that can often really hold you back. But I think she's sort of struggling. And then the final thought, of course, uh, John Rudnitsky, which, uh, you know, bless his heart. I'd be surprised if we see him come back next year. Yeah, it's just hard to see what he brings to this cast that we don't already have somewhere else. Yes, I agree. And 21 I, yeah. episodes. Yeah. And there wasn't anything that we saw that we thought, oh, that was really funny, but the audience didn't connect with it. Or, boy, he really stole the show in this moment. You know, and unfortunately, when you're coming on the heels of they bring Leslie Jones on and her very first piece destroys or Pete Davidson comes on and in the season premiere does a weekend update bit that is just kills like, you know, the, the bar definitely raises. I think it might be harder when you're not part of a team. You're not part of a writing group. Uh, you're not needed for an impression. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily his fault. I feel like we never got to see the John Rudnitsky that auditioned and got in, which is a bummer because I would like to have seen what they saw in him to put Patrick him on Swayze. the show. That's true. That's true. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so then with this cast that we have here of 16 people, if we're both on the same page, we don't think that uh, John is going to be coming back. Do you think that they will replace him? Will they add to this or do you think that they will potentially go 
with uh, just this same group again. I think they're going to add. I think that you're in in that weird situation of you've got too big of a cast, but you don't have a breakout star. You don't have your Eddie Murphy, your Adam Sandler, your, your Dana Carvey, your Mike Myers, your Will Ferrell. So I think you have to keep sort of fishing. You need that big. That's what SNL, the ratings go crazy. Pop culture is become, you know, refers to it when you've got that big star that everybody wants to see but kate mckinnon's not that star i think kate mckinnon's no i don't think she is i think that she's one of the best that they have but i don't think anyone's turning on saturday night live at 11 30 on saturday night to see what kate mckinnon will do this week i think that she's one of the reasons that that many of us look forward to the show but i don't think there's that big character i don't think since stefan left the show we have that character that everyone is saying at 12 at 11 11 29 p.m oh i hope we see blank tonight on the show and and i think that they still have to probably mine the comedy community to find the actor or actress who brings that but i wonder if in the post seth meyers era if that's what they're going for in terms of finding that character because i feel like that season 41 was a season of very few returning uh, recurring characters other than like a Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Well, I agree, but I don't think that's by choice. I think that if, if, they, something, had if they had it, they would have beat it to death. The, you know, the, there's one notable exception, which we can talk about here, which was one of the oddest trends of season 41 was no Jebediah Atkinson, which was just so surprising and so odd uh, that it was, you know, probably the closest thing we had to a buzzy character and uh, and we never saw him. So that that might speak to something behind the scenes. But I would say in general, if there was uh, if there was some if they had something hot, they they certainly would have brought it back. I mean, is it I don't know if you're going to cover this in the awards. Who is the reigning recurring sketch champion right now? Boy, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like what who you, is, you what know, sketch is the Californians of right now? You know, I don't. That's a good question. I mean, I don't know that there necessarily is that. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of, you, you know, a rotation of update people. Yeah, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see cinema classics with Reese DeWatt on a fairly regular basis. You know, we're going to see weekend update characters. We saw Laura Parsons, the junior news uh, uh, newscaster of tomorrow, way too many times we're still going to see the porn stars once or twice a season at the at the end of the night doing a commercial but i don't know that we have anything that big other than the talk shows which i would you know whether it's uh there's there's no specific talk show that in and of itself is hilarious that's usually just the format to bring on a number a number of political figures and talk about sort of topical events mm-hmm. yeah. now i don't miss the sort of beat you know beat you over the head with the oh my god we're going to see this character i think even see you know, we saw, um, you know, we saw a church chat, you know, just recently. And I was like, you know what? I don't miss this. I don't miss this idea of just sort of like, oh, we all know what's going to happen. We're going to beat this to death kind of thing. It was I like when it's sort of like, yeah, we don't know what's coming next. And it's not just the same old sketches over and over. Even, you know, Jonah Hill comes back and we don't see 
his character, Adam Grossman, the five-year-old at Benihana, which even though that was not necessarily the best episode, um, I like that we are sort of breaking it up and we're not going back to as much. It's girlfriend's talk show for the eighth time, even though those actresses – no, I don't think we did. I don't think we got a girlfriend. Well, I wasn't talk missing show. that one. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I didn't miss it. I wonder. Yeah, if if it was anything, it would have been in the Miley Cyrus. But I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I thought so. I thought that was interesting to me. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see where they end up going uh, with that in terms of uh, season forty-two. But Rich, let's get into the tackies. Let's let's start to talk awards. Yeah. Uh, so where do you want to start? Should we go uh, through through an episode obsessively or? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so uh, you know, started you know, look, starting off, I would say let's talk about sort of cold open. What was really the best cold open of the year? Um, and I think in general, when we talk about cold open in season forty one, we're talking about Larry David as as Bernie Sanders. So uh, you know, almost nothing else held held a, a candle to that. You know, he was in a number of the cold opens. Um, I, I think I. I'm going to go to the end of the year for for my award on this one, though. I feel like, uh, you know, the Hillary and Bernie uh, at a bar at the end of the night was probably a send off to the Bernie Sanders character. But to me, it was such a great cold open because it wasn't, hey, let's parody a debate and sort of play out moments that we had seen on television or a press conference. It was imagining two characters in a situation that they would never really be in, Hillary and Bernie. I thought it was wonderful chemistry between Kate McKinnon and Larry David, even better chemistry than Larry David had with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus when she was playing Elaine Bennis in a previous cold open mm-hmm. when, when he was the, when, when she was the host. Um, so I thought in general, just really strong, very funny writing, both topical and silly. And then we had this wonderful sort of breaking the fourth wall, ex- you know, walking off the stage and them dancing through the, the halls of uh, Studio 8H, which is something that very few shows can pull off without feeling like clawingly pressure and they are clearly one of them. So for me, that was uh, that that was my favorite uh, opening. And of course, you're going to pull up my heartstrings when you have the entire cast jump on each other's shoulders and yell live from New York at Saturday night. That is a, that is a huge win for me. A uh, good send off uh, in the Fred Armisen episode. Any other cold opens stand out? You know, I would say, you know, you know, the in the there in the Aria Grande episode, the Jake Tapper was probably an interesting one because you had it was probably some of the most well-written Bernie Sanders material. You know, we uh, you know, he's changing at night and he's like, hey, he's, he's complaining about his his, uh, you know, people who support him on Facebook. He's like, look, I'm good. I'm not five posts a day. Good. You had Trump and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, with the violence going on and a fun Ben Carson mm-hmm, and some Trump edgy. Stakes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, so that was, you know, talking about Ben Carson, he's one of the good ones. And so I thought there was I thought that was actually, you know, pound for pound. That was very, very good. And some of the best use of overall sort of wrap up, you know, Republican and Democrat stuff is sort of what was going on in the zeitgeist at that time. Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, any other cold opens you want to talk about? You want to talk monologues? Uh, let's go monologues. I think, you know, uh, you know, monologues, I've always said, is the hardest part of the SNL, you know, especially when you've got people who are in, you know, hosts that are often on their own. They're not used to live TV. Some of them are not even actors. They are musicians or they are, you know, UFC champions or, you know, so, you know, you, you're sort of being thrown into that. I, I think we had a couple of interesting uh, pieces here. I mean, 
the uh, I thought Amy Schumer stand up was was very fun. I really liked Elizabeth Banks. She did a um, she performed What a Feeling, where mm-hmm. she was the director of the bit as well as the actress performing it as a little send up that she directed uh, Pitch Perfect too. I thought that was very funny. Um, you know, the nothing was ballsier than Fred Armisen's. Uh, you know, at the at the very end of, of this year, you know, he he did his one man show Love from New York. I did Saturday's Right, which was just <laughs> super fun. Um, but I think that I'm giving the award of best monologue this year to uh, the Larry David's stand up routine. You know, that's just we didn't you know we didn't expect Larry David to be doing stand up comedy. He is not known as a stand up comedian, um, but he was just great. He did and and he was doing meta. He was doing stand up comedy about hosting Saturday Night Live, and you know that he's not a host; he's a guest. He went from a poor schmuck to a rich prick, um, mm-hmm. and talking about how you know he can't wait to leave. He can't wait for the show to be over. <laughs> he doesn't want to say we've got a great show for you tonight. He's like, you know, why, why set those level of expectations? The show's so so. It's good, you know. You'll be surprised. So I, I think it's just in general, just really really good stuff. Uh, you know, from classic stand up to you know you know uber meta stuff held the audience a surprise. I don't think any of us saw him doing classic stand up and a great way to go into the episode. Okay. Uh, then rich, the next category is the live sketch. So, well, this would be sort of the, the, I would say the sketch of the night. I mean, this is mm-hmm. the sketch of the year. I mean, and so we'll, we'll go big here and just sort of get into it. And then we can sort of work down. Uh, I, I always separate out pre tapes because there's such a different form of comedy. There are different pacing, there's different skills involved. But when you look at live sketches, I think there was a, a lot of fun stuff here. Um, I would say for me, the runner up would be from the Ryan Gosling episode, the NSA alien investigation this was the first we saw this twice where uh, where three people have had some experience to which ad bryant and uh, and bobby moynihan are going to interview them and uh, you know the the format of the sketch is cecily strong and the host had very positive experiences and then um and then uh, uh kate mckinnon's character had a very negative experience this first one where they were abducted from aliens was hilarious because not only was the writing super strong and kate mckinnon was super strong it was just one of those sort of lightning in a bottle that the whole cast was breaking. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel contrived. It felt earned because it was just so silly. And watching uh, watching her sort of soldier through that, uh, Kate McKinnon, was really fun. And I think that that was just a, a super fun, uh, a super fun piece. A um, lot of other fun stuff, you know, to, to talk about. But for me, I think that the 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 sketch of the year, the overall, when I look back on season. 41 to me what was the sketch of the year was from the was the game show from tina fey and amy polar episode which was the game show meet your second wife very fun uh, this was so and this holds up so well i mean the premise of this that you know it's three happily married men who are eventually gonna you know uh, end up with a second wife who is you know younger and younger and and meeting those women now in present day uh and i'm just so you know the writing was super strong it it had such a great uh, premise and such an intelligent premise to it. But not only that, and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler as the host of the game show were great. 
unbelievable straight man work, unbelievable from Bobby Moynihan, Taron Killam, and uh, and and uh, Keenan Thompson, and then even great work from the wives in the audience. I mean, Vanessa Bayer played it beautifully, and Ad Bryant was fun. Leslie Jones, I think, only had one line, but her looks were killing. So mm-hmm. this holds up the whole way through. Uh, and there's a, there's a to me the the greatest moment is when after the first two contestants, it's Keenan Thompson's going to meet his you know his second wife and as they're playing the music he's just chanting to himself please don't be white don't be white don't be white mm-hmm. and it was so beautiful and uh, so just smart funny incisive lean really great sketch yeah and cecily comes out and she's pregnant with his second wife yeah just super uh, super funny also the business with the kayak was also uh pretty <laughs> clever uh with uh, was it was 80 bryant yes. was one of the wives that was going to die in the kayak accident and that yes. was the prize on the show yes it was really great there was even a point when uh, a, a great moment when vanessa bayer says what is going on here i thought this was a home makeover show and tina Fey says in a way it is and it was just <laughs> so beautiful so so much of this was just just great really really fun okay all right rich what about the best pre-tape commercial parody so looking at commercial parodies, again, always a good year. They do this so well. I mean, you had the, you know, the Mercedes AA class luxury sedan, which was the electric car that runs on AA batteries. You had the Star Wars action figures that you can keep in the package if you're a collector. Um, you had Totino's pizza rolls, which turned into an X-Files piece. A lot of fun mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, for me, the runner up here, and I think that I'm, I, I stand a little bit on an island. I loved Aaron's list from the Elizabeth Banks episode, which was basically like a a way to hire uh, convicted sex offenders to do your household chores. I thought it was so funny. It was so on the edge of inappropriate. Really, really good. Um, But for me, my favorite commercial of the year was from the Ryan Ryan Gosling episode. It was the app for women who are ready to sort of give up on meeting Mr. Right. And it was was an app called Settle, Mm S-E-T-T-L. And it was about just, it was about just when you're ready to settle, here's the app for you. And I thought that they just did uh, such a great job. It's it's not giving up. It's settling up. And uh, everything about it was really funny. Again, Vanessa Bayer's got a great bit where she's marrying Taryn Killam, who's this weird guy. But she says, we're getting married in April, which is before my sister. And I just it was so beautiful. So I thought I just thought great job with this. It did end a little weak, unfortunately. But overall, I thought this was probably the funniest commercial that they did. Okay. Uh, then in terms of the non-commercial pre-tape sketches. So much great stuff here. I mean, really all over the place from, uh, you know, Mike O'Brien coming back to do Uber for Jen with Elizabeth Banks and the Oprah Winfrey life story uh, at the end of the year. This weird sort of Santa baby Quentin Tarantino film with Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. um, you know, a fun kind of time to bleed. Uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth make a uh, takeoff on action films. A uh, lot of really good stuff in here. Um, I feel like a lot of the lists that I've seen have called Burn Your Enthusiasm, which from the Larry David episode as as probably the pre tape sketch of the year. Pretty good. And I, and you know and I will say uh, I certainly like it was certainly very funny certainly good to me it wasn't the best of the year because once we see the opening title card and the music burn your enthusiasm I kind of knew where the sketch was going to go in the big picture and that's exactly where it went so I'm not going to knock it in any way but I think there was better and 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 on this one I, I'm going to call an actual tie because they're both so good um, first 
next up was was from our season finale. We, you joked about it at the beginning. Farewell, Mr. Bunting. One simple sight gag, you know, a lot of time meticulously put into setting up a a, a premise of a um, dead poet society uh, style, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, school English class from way back when, and then just a beautiful uh, sight gag of of you know of a head being severed by a ceiling fan. Bing bang boom boom boom, and then it gets out. And I I know it's very recent to all of us, but I tell you, looking back at everything they did, that absolutely does stand up as as something worth noting as as one of the best of the years. Um, but I, I but I would say, but tied with that, and maybe even better what? to me. This is scandalous, Rich. I know. I'm gonna go. I think this got lost in the shuffle from the Melissa McCarthy episode. There was a pre-tape they did called "The Day Beyonce Turned Black," mm-hmm. and it really holds up. It was the idea that it was when Beyonce first released her new music video before the Super Bowl, and white people realized that Beyonce is actually black and not white. It was done as a movie thriller. Um, and it just from beginning to end it holds up very funny again Vanessa Bayer really sort of anchors this as the white person who doesn't get it Um, but across the board everyone's funny including Sashira's got great lines there's a great moment between Jay Farrow and Michael Che at the end uh, all the way to the very end when in the card that it says that you know this movie is rated NC-17 for white people and rated G for black people I thought overall just very very strong and to me me one of the best pieces I, I know i said this in one of the it may have been during this episode when we covered it that snl uh pre-tapes one of their uh really strong suits is white people are racist and they don't mean to be but they are and this was a great example of this i thought they did such a great job <laughs> uh then in terms of Weekend update, Rich. Let's talk about the best weekend update correspondence of the year. So I would say this was one where I'd say we probably had a little bit of a leaner year as far as, you know, great weekend updates. Uh, I, I don't know that we saw a lot of new stuff um, that that was necessarily great. I did love uh, from the Ariana Grande episode, Cecily Strong did the drunkest contestant on The Bachelor, which I thought was mm-hmm. very funny. And I had not even seen the specific uh, – a person on The Bachelor that they were parroting. I thought this was very funny. But uh, I would say there really wasn't a new character that I thought necessarily really clicked for me that I put on the list. I thought the one the, the one update character that, that really ate it on stage and really just died and yet I thought was quite funny was from the season premiere of the Miley Cyrus episode uh, Kyle Mooney did Pope Francis mm-hmm. and this absolutely tickled me I thought this was really funny I thought they did that a great job that it bombed job. or it, you just thought it was no, good I, and it wasn't I thought, appreciated I, I was very surprised that it bombed I just thought the piece itself was quite good I thought he was very funny I thought the writing was novel it felt fairly fresh to me it was almost a Stefan like take on Pope Francis uh, with a little mix of sort of a Kanye kind of thing. I thought it was very funny and the audience did not agree with me. The, the audience collectively went, oh boy. And I was surprised because I thought it was really good. Um, but, you know, you had a good Frida Santini. I love Big Poppy. I don't know why I love David Ortiz. I shouldn't love Maybe David you're Ortiz. you're a Red Sox fan. But it, it does make me laugh. Uh, but for me, uh, you know, a, a character that I think sort of can sometimes be fantastic and sometimes really lay an egg 
But this season, we only saw him once, but I thought was one of the best executions was Drunk Uncle. Um, wow. We had, we had Drunk Uncle on the Donald Trump episode, and there was something about how Donald, because Drunk Uncle is a diehard Donald Trump fan, and that really said a lot, that he was said, you know, this is, you know, f- about Donald Trump. Finally, someone is saying the things I've been thinking as well as saying. And there was just so much. He talked about, like, you know, the thing about him and Donald Trump is they both love white Russians um, <laughs> and and just a bunch of a bunch of Reno that he's going to make America grapes again. Uh, you know, Colin asked him about Colin, about Ben Carson. And he's like, I'm not going to say anything. He's right there and points to Michael Che. They ask about Hillary Clinton and he just smashes the glass of bourbon in his hand. And then a hand reaches out and hands him another bourbon. Uh, and a couple of weird just exclamations. At one point, he just yells, her name is Bruce, which I thought was just beautiful. So I thought Drunk Uncle is not always great. But in this case, I thought it was uh, it was just super strong. Really, really good job. It was the right spot for Drunk Uncle. Right spot, right time, right writing. And we hadn't been beaten with a bunch of Drunk Uncles back to back where we kind of uh, again, it is absolutely Mad Libs. Everything about this to the songs he sings to the so I'm not blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, is this Apple Watch gender neutral? Like it's all we know what the 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 structure is, but they filled in the Mad Libs so superbly here. And knowing that he's a Donald Trump fan said was one of the best takes on Mm -hmm. takedowns of Donald Trump than anything else. And then it was a tough year for correspondents to sort of find their foothold because Pete Davidson and Leslie Jones just ate up so much of the airtime and the weekend update desk. Yeah, you know, they both had a lot of runs, a lot of good runs. I mean, the thing about the two of them is I think between the two of them, only one, I think maybe one Leslie Jones was not great. But in general, they were either good to very good to excellent. So, you know, you're really when, when you've got those two really taking up a lot of time, you know, you're you're, you know, you're looking for other stuff. It, it, it's hard to fit in there. But I do think that we still need to find fresh new characters that hit. I, I think this was a year we didn't add to the lineup just yet. OK, what about the 10 to 1 sketches? This was a year I thought a great lineup of 10 to 1 sketches. I mean, I think you look at Ariana Grande did, you know, her playing the sound of music. And what would Maria have really said? excellent sketch you know melissa mccarthy shows up for the whiskers are we great execution uh you know we talked about oprah winfrey with tina fey and amy poehler we had bronx speed at 10 to 1 one Mm -hmm. of i think the great sketches of that era at 10 to 1 matthew mcconaughey at his amtrak meeting where he plays a weird guy with a big hand elizabeth banks does the ghetto brunch where everyone's talking about how ghetto how it's a bunch of white women talking about how ghetto things are and then she talks about how she actually is in the the ghetto um for me though the, so the runner-up for me larry david episode you know it's Sheila sauvage is back at the bar with uh you know for last call with with, with him and i i thought that was always great the fifth time we've seen last call it delivers every time you know and the only reason i'd say it probably wasn't my wasn't my pick of the season is it wasn't a new sketch and it wasn't the best of those sketches but it was really 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 excellent most excellent in 
and it's done. Uh, for me, the 10 to 1 sketch of the year was the baby shower sketch from the Amy Schumer, uh, which is Amy Schumer is Jesse, the best friend of Cecily Strong's character who crashes the party, the wedding shower of Vanessa Bayer. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, Cecily Strong uh, can't find her purse, Jesse <laughs> loses it and yeah. uh, somebody took it. We're not leaving here until someone gives it back. And it just it starts where you think Vanessa Bayer is going to be the crazy one in the sketch because she doesn't know how pregnancy works. And then Jesse is kind of the crazy one. And then at some point she we, she asks Cecily Strong's character what is in the purse. And there is this list that just goes on and on from Cecily Strong that is super funny. And then the payoff is really good. It was weird. It was high energy. It was exactly what I want to see it as the last sketch of the night. So just gr- great job there. Okay. So breaking from the format of following an episode, let's talk about some of the other superlatives. Uh, What about the best cameo of the season? You know, you know, not as many big cameos this year. I would say I'm going to take out uh, uh, Larry David because I think his his Larry Sanders, as Bernie Sanders was in a category by himself. I thought Maya Rudolph coming back and doing Bronx Beat, doing a new character for a Christmas show was excellent. Um, you know, uh, Al Sharpton showing up was fun. Couple of Canadians showed up. Uh, you know, in you know in the Ryan Gosling. I would say for me the runner up again going to the season finale was Jason Sudeikis in the regime sketch not a great sketch but his performance was just excellent it was great to see and we just talked about it great to see him come back uh, and great to see what a seasoned professional he is but for me the cameo of the year was was seeing in the chris hemsworth episode will ferrell came back to play george w bush announcing his candidacy for president and it was just it was just watching a just like a virtuoso pianist play a concert he's just so good and so fun and the writing was very strong and it was a great way to kick off that episode that was probably an on the line episode overall but that was just great and and will ferrell he still has it in in an unbelievable way just super strong now rich when you rate the cameos do you apply any of your specific cameo rules to so say like if will ferrell didn't stay through the good nights do you hold that against him i probably would but you know what no i did i did just look at individual so even if someone showed up in two sketches i i would just pick the one sketch that was the most notable but it's always going to be the first one because as i say in the rule of camp once you once you're cameoing in a second sketch it doesn't have that excitement it doesn't have that 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 whatever piece so uh you know, certainly that gets gets lost okay what about my favorite category the oh boys of the year so uh you know lot lot of oh boys in general <laughs> you know there always is how could there not be you know from miley cyrus's weird home coming dance weird uh to mark the pirate uh, uh, that which is probably john rudnitsky's only uh starring sketch um you know uh sarah's desire and tina fey which was the weird acting coach um yeah. there there was a lot of uh, boys here weekend update willie every time <laughs> willie showed up i feel like one time you liked willie yeah i mean you know certainly you get under my skin at a certain point and i'm with you uh <laughs> laura parsons for me was an uh boy um but i would say you know the the runner-up and these two were so 
Oh, boys. That I, it was hard to say uh, from a really tough Jonah Hill episode. There was a murder mystery episode <laughs> where instead of figuring out who killed the person, it really came down to more about, uh, you know, how bad of a dump Jonah Hill's character had taken. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but for me, I think the biggest uh, boy was in an also rough Russell Crowe episode in our in our first sketch post monologue was the Henry the eighth experience where uh, Russell Crowe played a hologram representation of mm. Henry the eighth, just yelling at women, bear me a son, bear me a, bear son. Me a son. I think this sketch was 93 minutes long. <laughs> I think they had to cancel all the other sketches and go into the late night news and first look on KTLA or whatever goes after this. Um, really just a, a rough rough sketch uh, me a son. no fault of russell crowe who threw himself into it uh but uh oof uh, oh boy that was that was a tough one yeah i know uh bear me a son is your pick but i feel like uh we didn't spend enough time talking about the trump tweets uh sketch. yes thank you yes you know what i had that on my list as one of the it was it was a tough sketch from its very conception of <laughs> it was a meta sketch where the cast is performing a sketch and trump is tweeting about it in real time trying to make fun of his uh you know of of trump's tweeting habits but it was really one of those no fish nor foul didn't know what was going on uh the timing of it waiting for them to have to sort of you know read the text that was pop up as a graphic it was uh boy that should have just been the the hashtag uh boy for trump tweets well i feel like that you really have a couple of sketches from that trump episode of the there's the trump tweets and then there's also the trump uh, two years into the future sketch uh, where he's sort of like it's like we, you're waiting for something funny to happen in the sketch where it seems like it's just almost like a Trump commercial. Oh yeah, to pick the uh boy of the <laughs> Trump sketch. I mean, him playing Gene, the was it the laser harp player? And yeah. oof, it was just it, it, overall just so hard, really, really hard. Love the oh boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rich, let's go from the worst of the worst to the best of the best. What was the best episode of the season? You know, I'm glad to say that there were at least five episodes that were in contention for this, which was really exciting. Um, but I think no surprise, even taking out the the Bernie Sanders impression, I think that, uh, you know, of all the good episodes, Fred Armisen was very strong. Julie Louis Dreyfus was very strong episode. Um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, very strong episode. Even Elizabeth Banks was surprisingly, when I look back on it, very, very strong. But nothing compares to Larry David. I mean, I mean, what a great, I mean, you know, I, I think it was just such a great episode, um, you know, across the board. His monologue was great. This was the, you know, we had this FBI sketch where he's playing Kevin Roberts uh, because I, <laughs> I, you know, I got that bitch a donut. Uh, just really funny. You had your burn your enthusiasm. You had, you know, you, you had, uh, you know, Totina's pizza rolls. Um, you know, you had, uh, you know, a bunch of songwriting. You had Last Call. I mean, really, there was a super bowl thing from can newton and peyton manning that was just really good uh you know and just across the board just really really strong really fun energy uh you know fun people showing up in weekend update it was just just really really strong so i, I think for me pound for pound there really wasn't a miss uh even uh, derek zoolander showing up as 
a weekend car as a weekend update correspondent who I'm not a fan of did a very good job. Much uh, funnier than Zoolander too. Yeah. So, you know, intro to songwriting post update, which was a weird thing about a song and a frog and tiny frogs, uh, you know, rising up. And it was just so bizarre and just so funny. So uh, to me, no question. That's to me, that's the episode of the year. Okay, so you have episode of the year. I'd like to make a, a proposal for a new category for yes. the tackies, whether you want to do it this year or, or in future years. Uh, I feel like we also need the oh boy episode of the year. Oh, well, that's a no brainer. I mean, I think that the Donald Trump episode <laughs> exists in a world unto itself that is almost not fair to, uh, <laughs> you know, that it was it was the a uh, boy of the year. You know, I um, do wonder how it holds up, because I remember not thinking it was the, uh, I, I remember you were definitely lower on it at the time. Uh, I wonder going back, just like that, we're talking about a couple of the sketches that were memorably bad. What, uh, what were the highlights? Well, you know, I would say the uh, I, I think the uh, cold open uh, was was definitely not bad. Uh, and you drunk know, you uncle had, was from that episode. Yeah. You know, you had uh, bad girls, the music video, which I did not think was necessarily hilarious, but it wasn't bad. Um, hotline bling, I think, was. Uh, oh, yeah. When he was. Dancing. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. Um, Mr. Crocker, which was a, a a piece that sort of was pretty funny until you know until uh, Donald Trump shows up was not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the porn stars was probably was probably one of the weakest porn stars that, I'd that seen Mr. in a Crocker, while. That, that's where Beck Bennett is like the dad at the yes, table, right? The dad who wants to uh, lay yeah. down sick beats as a as a DJ, <laughs> yes, which I, was actually a pretty there. good piece until the end. So yeah, I mean, I certainly when you look at the uh, boys of the year, I mean, uh, you know, the there were jo- lows. The Jonah Hill was a real uh, boy. I mean, a lot to not like there. The Russell Crowe really had uh, almost nothing going for it, unfortunately. Even the the season premiere, the Miley Cyrus episode, there really wasn't much about it that was all that great in hindsight. I think we had – we probably talked about it fondly because the show was back and we had a lot to talk about. But looking back on it, it really wasn't a great episode. So the the good news is there's few and far betweens on the uh, on the uh, boys. But overall, um, the, the, there were a couple there certainly. I like that. Then as we go through the year, we could say like, uh, Rich, was this a contender for the uh, boy episode? episode of the year yeah good point good point (laughs) all right and then rich the last category is the cast mvp who are you giving the top prize to this year? You know, it's. I think this is such a no-brainer. It's. It's. Uh, you know, it's almost a letdown to talk about. But the reasons why are sort of you, you. You can't argue. I mean, you had a lot of great people doing a lot of great stuff, but clearly the person that is almost anchoring the show at this point is Kate McKinnon. I mean, you. You almost if if you sort of walk through the show, you know, in your cold open, you. You know, she's going to play Hillary Clinton and do the great job, or she's going to come in with a big character like the uh the head of the the democratic party his name debbie Debbie um, wasserman schultz yeah debbie wasserman schultz so she's gonna you know so she's big there you know your live sketches she really held down the nsa alien investigation and had a lot of great live sketch pieces she plays weird really well she's the go-to person at weekend update whether it's frida santini whether it's colin's upstairs neighbor whether it's angela merkel i mean almost any great character is going to be her you know you're going to see her in almost 
almost every single weekend update, you know, and all the way to the 10 to one sketch. I mean, you know, whether, you know, what are the, the, the only two reoccurring 10 to one sketches that are worth noting last call with Sheila Sauvage and whiskers are we. So from the cold opening to right before the good nights, it's Kate McKinnon kind of is going to be in that clutch position. If any one person on the cast is going to deliver and many of them can deliver, but if it's going to be one person, it's going to be Kate McKinnon pretty much across the board. She's going to, she's going to be the person to deliver. Okay. Uh, Rich, are you ready for some questions from the listeners of the podcast? Yes, absolutely. I wish I had done some research ahead of time, but we'll, we'll play it in real time and see what happens. Yeah, let's, we'll do it live. Okay. This is SNL. We will do things live and uh, we got a couple of questions following the finale. We told people that you could write in for our season wrap up pod. Of course, uh, that email address is SNL at post show recaps in the future. If you want to send us anything and why don't we start off with an email from um, Will Simon, who wants to know, can you both power rank all of the SNL 41 cast members in terms of your personal enjoyment of them overall? Only factor in things they did this season. Thank you for taking my question. Well, how about instead of a top 16, could you give us a top five, Rich? Well, I think it goes back to sort of who had really good seasons. I mean, I think, you know, obviously I think Kate McKinnon for me, I loved Colin Jost. I, I really converted on Keenan Thompson in a major way. Uh, Vanessa Bayer in the pre-tapes did wonderful. And then I don't care how his season was. I don't care how little or much screen time he got. Bobby Moynihan, for me, is the spirit of SNL, and he's my guy. So whether he deserves it or not this season, I don't care. I put him in my top five. It's really hard for me. I I don't have anybody in the cast that I feel especially uh, connected to. I feel like that I enjoy most of them in different ways. So it's very hard for me to sort of like uh, come up with this uh, list. I feel like it's very much like a what have you done for me lately? Yeah. In terms of the, these people, you know, there's a, couple, a bunch of people that I really, really feel strongly about and a couple of people I'm just like indifferent about. Yeah, I'll also say I really do want to give a shout out to even though we didn't talk much about it. I do love Cecily Strong's characters that she does on Weekend Update. A lot of, you know, from the, the girl you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party to, you know, the two dimensional female character in a male driven comedy. Um, I like what she's doing. I like the writing of those. I like that they feel different and new. And uh, so she's someone who I, I always really enjoy. Enjoy saying. If I could, let me just give some praise to Jay Farrow, who I don't feel like we've talked enough about. And, and you know you had him as a loser overall on the season, but I feel like that he also had some high highs and a couple of transcendent moments where he's doing the impressions of everybody. I know that's always been his strong suit, but I feel like that I know he hasn't broken out in any way, but I feel like that maybe he gets unrecognized sometimes. Well, I agree with you. I think that you're right. I think that and, and I mean, and when I say that he didn't have good season i'm not commenting on his ability his talent how much i like him i just think screen time wise he really got lost he did sort of you know a lot of his impressions uh have not necessarily connected part of it is because i think sometimes he doesn't find the funny in those impressions but often it's because you know you're playing to a primarily white audience and you're doing rappers and other very notable very well-known figures you know to an urban audience that the white audience like myself doesn't know as well so it's not his 
his fault. Um, that said, I think that the format they found of, hey, there was a secret meeting of, a secret meeting of comedians, secret meeting of rappers. It gave us a way for him to say, it was to do rapid fire one or two sentence impressions to see how versatile he is, see how much he can change up his energy and his delivery in a rapid fire way, which I thought overall was just really good. Okay. Uh, then let's take another question from Becky, who says, just like last year, you both had me convinced the finale was the last time I'd ever see Keenan. And I have to say, as soon as I saw Sudeikis show up, I was nearly convinced and expected he'd been sent out after an epic. What up with that? So my question is, how do you both keep getting it wrong? Are you relying on inside sources that keep leading you astray? I feel like that this year. I feel like we beat that drum far less than we've done in previous years. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, there was the last season, there was definitely a a very longstanding rumor going around that this was going to be his last year. So we certainly didn't invent that. The truth is, you know, he's been on the show since 2005. He is the longest running cast member uh, you know, in the history of the 41 years of Saturday Night Live. And he's in his late 30s. He's 38 years old. I mean, so many of our greats, when they talk about when Kristen Wiig or someone else talks about why did you leave, so often they'll say, I just couldn't do it anymore. It's just being up all night and working these six-day weeks and, you know, and being so off the schedule of my family and friends. It agrees uh, with him. Yeah, I mean, maybe Keenan just sort of has fo- sort of fallen into a pocket and, and he just is like, I'm not going going anywhere. I remember sort of notably many years ago when Daryl Hammond was the longest running cast member, he admitted on Howard Stern, he said, I don't write anymore. He said, I, I, I'm I'm too old. I'm, I'm done. I'm now at the point where if somebody wants to write me in a sketch or needs me to do an impression, I love it. And I, and I jumped at the chance. And if nobody writes anything for me, I'm not in the episode and that's fine. But I don't stay up all night. I don't have to I don't have to burn the midnight oil. And maybe in a way that, that that's something that Keenan's doing. But but I but he seems seems to be very engaged and he's he really gives 110 percent so uh, i always think that just statistically every year's got to be the last year although i will say and we said this that i don't think that this was not a farewell keenan episode so if he if he decides to leave over the summer i'm suspecting it was not something that he planned on doing okay johnny de silvera the great johnny de silvera wrote in to say hey robin rich who do you two think will play Donald Trump in the fall leading up to the election and potentially after if he wins? Are they going to stick with Daryl Hammond or go back to Taryn Killam or go to somebody else entirely? Of course, that 2016 is an election year. We've seen in the past SNL has done some of its best work during these election cycles that we've seen. I believe it was back in 2008. They did Thursday night specials yep. of primetime election coverage on Thursday nights. So... Rich, uh, if we are going to be seeing Donald Trump in the fall, how do you think SNL is going to handle that? Well, SNL has a bad track record of uh, pushing uh, uh, pushing a, an impression from one cast member to another, even when they should. Uh, they will generally stick with someone uh, beyond, uh, you know, w- what's reasonable. So, uh, you know, if history is on your side, you're probably going to expect to see, uh, you know, them just, just continue using Daryl Hannah 
examined. I think that I, one of the things I had read in one of the uh, an article about uh, something relating to Saturday Night Live is that at one point they really wanted Jimmy Fallon to come down and do Donald Trump, uh, and he couldn't do it, so they ended up using Daryl Hammond, and then that sort of sort of got us on this thing. So I think there's a very good chance that they really push, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon to come down and say, look, you know, we, assuming that he loses the election, you know, we need you for approximately one month, you know, a couple of shows, please come and do it. So I, I would say expect to see Daryl Hammond, but my outside shot would be Jimmy Fallon showing up for a couple of cameos. But the season started with Taron Killam as Donald Trump. I mean, what happened there? It wasn't like that we were coming out there like, oh, my God. Oh, boy. Taron Killam as Donald Trump. What is uh, this holy hell? Get get rid of Taron Killam's Donald Trump. Yeah, it was a weird. I think that, you know, it. I think that this started when Donald Trump hosted and they added him, you know, that Daryl Hammond did it as well as Taron Killam. I think maybe it just, you know, connected. I think people remember Daryl Hammond doing a great Donald Trump back in the day. Um, and it was a great Donald Trump back in the day. I just think that the energy of his Donald Trump doesn't necessarily jive with the energy and the biorhythms of the show today, he's uh, he often feels like Daryl Hammond's doing an excellent job on another show, and he's in a different show than everyone else, and not because he's bad, but because it just doesn't fit as well. So uh, I, I don't quite get it. I you know I don't know if it was they thought maybe they thought Ted Cruz was going to be the person, and they wanted to switch it from uh, from Bobby Did Moynihan. To somebody Karen thought Ted Cruz was going to be the nominee. Well, at one point, I'm not going to get political, but I think there was a moment in time where he look like if Donald Trump in, or, you know, when Donald Trump implodes, Ted Cruz would be the presumptive nominee after him just from, uh, you know, number of electoral votes at a certain point. So mm-hmm. I don't know what they think, but I think all that's possible. Rich, just going back to September of 2014, when Daryl Hammond ended up uh, taking over as the announcer. So do you feel like that there was even a glimmer in his eye that he would be such a, a important part of this SNL cast where he would be potentially playing either a President Trump or potentially playing Bill Clinton for eight more years? Oh, well, I certainly think that the Bill Clinton four, thing was yeah. Yeah, the Bill Clinton yeah. thing was certainly in everybody's mind. But I don't think that he took the gig thinking about sort of cameos. I, I you know I don't even know that the first season he did it, he was doing it from New York. He might have been doing it from his L.A. home. Uh, it was clearly it's all pre-tape as it had been with uh, with um, uh, Don Pardo for many years. So so. Yeah, I, I don't know that he saw it as necessarily a way in as much as just an interesting gig to book. All right. And one last question. This is from Ike Moore. It says, hey, guys, how much of a chance do we see Justin Timberlake host to promote his animated movie Trolls and his song Can't Stop the Feeling? Also, do you think that we'll see Adam Sandler host in season 42? So good questions. Uh, my opinion, I don't know anything. I do think that Justin is kind of feeling like I did the host thing. I killed it. Go out on top. I think that he'll wait for Jimmy Fallon to come back and host and then do that again, either as a musical guest or just as a surprise. I think that he's very smart to know timing and to know that he is now considered one of the great guest hosts of the, you know, of the 2000s or the late 2000s. So why uh, go back to the well one more time? So I suspect that we will absolutely see him again, but we will not see him as a guest host for a long time. Um, Do you think differently? Uh, Justin Timberlake? I mean, I don't know if uh, he's that 
calculated about it. I mean, I would defer to you if you think that that's uh, how he looks at it. But I didn't think that he was really, like, really like, just waiting to pick his spot on it. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think he's maybe is a, maybe we'll see him again. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Adam Sandler is an interesting one in that, you know, he was the king of the world for a certain period of time. One of the mo- there was a moment where you would say in this moment, he's the most successful SNL alumni currently working in movies. Um, it, he didn't need SNL. My, all that I've ever heard is that he left under very good circumstances and, and left a, a, as, as a family member with Lauren and such, um, but really has not come back. I think it was, you know, uh, you know, as putting aside 40th anniversary and such. Um, clearly, there have been many movies he has done where you you have to imagine, based on what they knew the critical and audience reaction was going to be, that the uh, movie studio was probably begging him to host SNL as a way to promote the movie that they suspected might lose them a lot of money. And he resisted. He certainly doesn't need it. So. I don't know anything, but if I had to guess, I would say that uh, he is waiting to be back on top again, that I suspect we'll see him show up when he has a big hit something so that he can return again as the conquering hero instead of uh, sort of uh, that he might feel like tail between his legs, although I don't think so. I think he's fantastic and he's good at what he does and he plays in his lane very well, but I suspect that he doesn't think that and he may want to wait until he sort of – has a big hit but i don't know i I certainly haven't heard anything okay rich and then let's play our final uh favorite uh close out the season game who is the host of the season 42 premiere (sighs) that's a good question i think you know it's it's going to be a political year so you know i think you'll certainly see cameos from you know presidential uh candidates because that's sort of big going to be the big push um i don't know what's coming out at the beginning of next year um I, I'm going to say Sudeikis. I'm going to say I'm going to say Sudeikis. He'll have a he'll have a show coming on Fox that he'll need to promote. He uh, has certainly been very warming towards coming back to do cameos on SNL this year, which he hadn't been. Uh, and I think SNL, when they can, always likes to open with an alumni because it sort of gets some excitement going. So if I had to guess, that's his, that's who I would say. Just pulling a name out of my head. How about you? All right, I'm going to go with. Somebody who has a uh, big movie coming out this summer. I'm going to go with Jared Leto. Hmm. Suicide Squad is coming out. I don't know if he's the kind of guy who wants to host SNL, but I feel like that he'll be very hot come like August. Right. That makes sense. I could see that. Yeah, definitely could be. Be a good booking, sort of like following the uh, Chris Pratt hosting uh, the premiere of season 40 coming off of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Yeah, that could be. I, he would definitely be a good return. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Rich, do you have a hashtag you want to give people uh, who have listened to this and want to tweet about this episode? I mean, I'll go hashtag oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, how do you, what's the correct spelling of oh boy? You know, I debate this. Is it O-O-H or is it H-U-H? Or you, I could, we, we've debated this offline. I, I could see it either way. What do you think? I feel like it's like U-H-H boy. Mm, I like that. Let's go with that. All right. Uh, good stuff. Of course, you could find Rich on Twitter. He is at Rich Tech. Rich, uh, what do you have coming up uh, this summer? Some storytelling, some yes. blogging. What's yes. in the works? Stories in the L.A. area. That's probably going to be the, the big focus of my summer. 
So do you have to like really like mine the story? Like I feel like I would like I think that a lot of things happened to me, but I don't remember any of them. So it's, it's a lot of prodding your memory to go. Wait, did did I ditch someone at the Canadian border once? I think I might have. It's a lot of that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it, where people have to go out in 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 real life and yes. see those stories. Yes, that's all. That's all live stuff. Oh, that's a lot of work, Rich. Yes, I get you. I you got to get like a recording of that for yeah. people. We'll get there. Okay. All right. Uh, well, all good stuff. Again, we do appreciate your votes for the podcast awards at podcastawards.com. Post your recaps in the TV and film and people's choice podcast of the year. Uh, thank you guys uh, very much uh, who have been voting. And then uh, also looking forward to reading your comments on posterrecaps.com. And also uh, a shout out to uh, Scott St. Pierre, who did help out uh, with so much of the editing that went into the SNL poster recaps. And of yes. course, James Keast for his outstanding work talking about the music all season long. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much to those guys. And also Mike Bloom. Uh, thanks for filling in uh, for me along the way uh, a couple of times. So appreciate that. And then, uh, Rich, that's it until season 42. Any final thoughts? No. Great season. Uh, looking forward to looking forward to next year. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.